On today's episode, I sit down with Paul Barron. Paul is the owner of an Amazon brand and also the founder of the chat agency. Super inspiring guy who is totally candid in his approach to all things mental health, scaling a business, growth, and is one of the better operators when it comes to how he outlays information. I highly recommend taking a listen to all that he has to share and beyond. Hi, and welcome to Successful Scales, the show where I interview now successful professionals about their journey and try and garner insights onto any tips that can be applied to your business at home. Whether it's financial freedom or the exit of your company, wherever your journey may take you, the idea here is to simply learn from those who have done it before. I hope you enjoy and you get some value out of this. Buckle up and enjoy the episode. Paul, welcome to another episode of Successful Scales, my friend. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, sorry it took, but how long? How long did it take me to get back to it? It was like forever. Well, do you know it, it all? Too it long. All, too long. <laughs> yeah, but we're here now, and that's definitely the main thing. And I would say as well, we've gotten to know each other a little better, which has been cool to sort of jump into this, not as like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And by the way, this is what I do. Like, I have a, an appreciation for you and what you're up to so i feel like this will you know they typically flow a lot better that way but i'll say and i want to actually call out the the reason that we really met in the first place was that i was sitting on clubhouse and i was listening to you moderate a room and i remember reaching out to you just saying listen i'm and this was you know this was months ago now so in, in clubhouse days that's like a century um, but, <laughs> but, but, um, but uh, you know, uh, a while ago, it feels like, and I was just really blown away at how awesome you were moderating the room, getting the right questions out of the right people and sort of guiding the, the flow. And it felt very natural. And um, that was sort of, that was why I really wanted to get on and chat with you in the first place. It was just to sort of understand because um, it was very impressive. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's funny. I think of... Um... I used to be a youth leader um, and, and I think moderating clubhouse is a lot easier than moderating junior high discussion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, that, that answers a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, there was this one particular kid, his name is Steven. He's a great, yeah. I mean, he's a young adult now, but when I was a youth leader, he, his older brother was in the, like, I don't know, like two years separated. So, you know, younger, younger siblings, you're always trying to, you know, screw around with your older siblings. And I, I swear, Stephen's goal, that's his name, Stephen, and his brother's name is Nathan. Stephen's goal was to intentionally derail the conversation. Like, I, I got really, really good at, like, putting a mental pin in, like, what we were talking about and circling back and be like, great, Stephen, I'm glad that you think that amphibians are aliens, but let's get back to what we're talking about <laughs> or, or something. Yeah, well, I mean, anyway. that's it. That, but that's exactly it, though. Like you've learned the hard skills early on and so converting them into something that is different format uh but you know you've done the hard work already so yeah. it's all about learning so i get it there you go i mean i mean that's like well i mean we could segue this into the business talk right like it's just like business that if it, you're not learning you're regressing like you've got to be learning and you can learn business lessons from your three-year-old daughter or your six-year-old son i mean in my case right it's just you got to make sure that you're just looking you're you're aware 
And that's, and that's also, you know, when you look at the first thing and, and one of the things I, I often talk about is, you know, working in your business versus on it. And mm-hmm. for most people, they're actually not aware that they're stuck working in their business and they haven't understood how to sort of highlight where the best use of their time is and how they're going to have the most impact and kind of look at the economics around the business in, in freeing themselves mm-hmm. up. So that awareness and being able to learn from your children or from any situation and, and apply it, I think is a, is, is a life skill that enables, uh, you know, every, a lot in business, but, but a lot in life in general. Mm. Yes. Uh, my, my family is full of either entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, like a lot of us. So my mom runs her own daycare preschool. My dad's been working to start a, um, well, in the past he had ran a, a, a print shop, um, a specialty printing printing store out of his out of his home, um, out of our home rather. Growing up, my older sister's always done like random jobs on the side. She's in education, so her time is extremely limited. But she's always doing like selling jewelry, doing those sort of you know, tough work type party businesses. My little sister runs a business, and it's interesting because where we're at, we get exposed a lot more to conversations like these where we can have the power of virtual assistants, right? Um, knowing what I know now, like it's, it's affected how I look at other businesses. And I'm just thinking my little sister, for example, I'm like, you just hire a VA, just hire a VA. Like there's so much stuff that she could do. And she's really stubborn. She's a baby. She's, she's picked on. So when she, she grew up, she's like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it my own way. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Is that, that type of, I mean, I, I know I'm the type. I, I know the type. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm 38. Uh, so she'll be 36. And it's funny, like how our personalities, like even as kids, like stick anyway, but yeah, I've tried to help her with that scaling, working on your business, not in it. And, um, unless, unless it comes from the entrepreneur, it's, it's just a trite saying, like, unless you get to that, like, I need to do something, I need to change something. It just sounds like a trite saying, you know, until you're on the other side and you're like, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, it's uh, I literally just had this very similar conversation. It's one of those things that are very hard to describe. It's an experience that you have to have to truly understand the the impact and the value that it creates for your life. You know, having more time, more freedom, more money, more opportunity, and just an ability to to create at a effectively like an expedited level. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just think now, like in terms of like scaling and growing businesses. I mean, for me, it's more of a capital thing because if I could, you know, I look at like these massive companies and they always say hire the best talent. Well, when you're in positions where, you know, most of our peers are in the Amazon space, you're trying to hire the best talent, but you don't necessarily have a hundred million dollars backing you. Yep. And so trying to find the best talent for the right, for the right dollar. That's the challenge. Well, and that's, you know, and, and, and that's the increasing challenge right now is that there are a lot of companies that do have $100 million backing them to getting their right. hands on the best talent. So, you know, the game is definitely uh, changing as well. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because we have, I mean, we've grown a lot. I mean, I was thinking through when we started our business back in 2015, it was on, it was on credit and um we're starting to talk about selling and exiting. And I mean, we're six years in, we'll probably exit within probably another year, at least another year, because we need to get our trailing 12. 
fixed. Yep. Uh, Pandemic was hard for us. We're, um, you know, we sell in the vacation market and stuff. And so that's been fun. But I was thinking through like, I mean, in what I would have never thought that within five or six years of starting a business that I would be able to exit for multiple, you know, seven figures, hopefully, hopefully eight. I don't know if we can get that much, but um, I mean, starting a business on credit, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely in that in that turnaround time. Um, and for any starting a business period is good, right? Like whether it's even right. credit or not, there's there's definitely something to be said about taking that step. And it was something that I waited a long time. Like I, you know, I would say for me, I didn't start my first serious business until I was probably nearly 30. Um, mm. You know, I had a decade of experience under other people doing great things and you know, so I'm saying even just taking that step, let alone even being in a position to consider exiting, let alone being in a position where, you know, that payday, you know, it's, it's an enormous payday. It's a bigger payday than you'll see for, I don't know how many years of the business and it's in one foul swoop. I mean, it's, um, it's, a pre- it'd be a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. So, um, well, talk, talk, know, the, the talk, future. talk, talk to us a little bit about, um, about your business and what it actually delivers on and, and how you've approached it. So you started saying you started in 2015. Just, I know that yeah. I know, I know enough to be dangerous, but those listening probably don't know uh, enough yeah, yet. Yeah. Yes. So I sell in the, we're in the baby category on Amazon. Um, take five minutes Googling my name plus Amazon. It's not going to be that hard to figure out what I sell. So uh, we sell reusable swim diapers and we've been selling, uh, the very first day that we went live was was the very first prime day ever. So that's kind of like how I'm marking. I don't know. It's like cool little lucky, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's luck, but yeah, it was like uh, fortuitous. You know, we were ready. And at that point in time, like um, I think it was prime was still invite only that you could do a deal, but it was prime day and, you know, sales go up across the board in prime day. Um, so I've always been focused from the beginning, you know, we started planning the business back. It was in March of 2015. Um, we took, we were part of the amazing selling machine, uh, five groups. So we took the fifth, fifth version of that course. And, um, I had goal. I mean, I wanted to be at $50,000 in revenue my first month. Like that's really unrealistic going in with not much financial backing right um, yeah yeah you know you need to, i mean that's a that's, that's a lofty goal in month one well i had it because i had a buddy that did it and right. i I wasn't thinking through like how much he had invested he had way more to invest than we did so obviously that plays into it but um within our first month i think we were doing we were doing like eight or nine thousand and then um i remember like hitting like ten thousand in november so we launched in july our normal sales peak, it actually peaks in June, kind of plateaus in July, starts to dip, um, bottoms out in October, and then starts to rise a little bit. Q4 isn't really that big of a deal for us. You know, everybody else in the e-com space is all freaking out and working overtime during That's Q4. A, that, can work, that works in your favor right there. It is. It's nice because I don't have to compete as much. I mean, ad costs go through the roof. I don't really increase our ad spend because it doesn't really affect us much, and it's just an extra expense. So... Um, one of the things that I'd always been focused on from the get-go was making sure that we established a brand that people could trust in our space. And um, prior to getting into the Amazon world, 
my background was in digital marketing consulting. So working with, with business owners that um, probably, you know, most of them had something that they were manufacturing. They made themselves. Some of them had um, like, they were doing like retail arbitrage type stuff, but my, my, my role was always working with them and doing what, you know, helping them build brand presence and that. So going into Amazon, it was never about like get rich quick scheme. I think that there's a lot of people that enter the space that's that they they say they're like, yeah, it's not get rich quick, but all of the actions that they do make it make you think that it's get rich quick because they're not doing they're not doing actions that brands do is is my point. They're not taking the steps that brands take, which is you know, pay attention to brand in general. For most people that sell on Amazon, a brand is just a name that you sell something on under. Yeah, there's very, there's, there's, there's very little brand loyalty attached to it. It's about the search results for the most part. Exactly. Which that worked for a few years. I don't, I don't see it working going into the future. Um, I see that Amazon's giving a lot more preference to branding anyway. So we were focused on that from the beginning. Um, you know, we were always focused on, I never liked doing the giveaway thing, even when giving away your products for free in exchange for reviews was a big deal. I never liked doing that because in my head, why? why would I give a product away when I could sell it? Like, it's the same thing. Like if I need a review, I could sell a product and get a review or I could give a product away and get a review on this hand. I'm making money on this hand. I'm losing money. Yeah. Why would I want to lose money? And plus it doesn't do anything to devalue our brand. In fact, today, today, my wife just had a, I'm not sure she had a call with her. I think she did. Um, we got an email from a buyer at TJ Maxx last week. And nice. so they've been talking, they've been talking um, with TJ Maxx. And one of the things is we're, we're positioned in the market as, as a premium brand. We sell our products for twice the cost of the competition on Amazon. TJ Maxx is a value brand mm -hmm. um, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can find good things at TJ Maxx, but the deal is that it's always minimum 20 to 70% off the lowest cost that they find anywhere. So yeah. these are things that I'm thinking through like, okay, if we can get in, to TJ Maxx, even if it's 20% off the lowest cost, and that means we're going to be selling 50. I don't know that that's the right brand play for us, to be mm -hmm. honest. Yep. You know, it totally, because, change, you know, it we totally changes make, your brand positioning right there. Right. I mean, it's just one store, but here's the thing is that like, if you build things like you gotta, you gotta be ready for opportunities, but you don't want to take every single opportunity because not every opportunity is the right opportunity. And you, you need to make sure that you're the captain of the ship, that it's your brand that you're building, you're sailing it, it's your ship. Like we told it, we told a buyer from Sam's no three times. She kept calling. I had to keep, I had to keep like, no, we don't want to sell to you. This was year two in business. There were a lot of reasons for that. The, the first is I have heard a ton of horror stories about people going to Sam's, selling to Sam's and being bankrupt because of their, their buying practices are basically unethical. Um, you know, they'll get you in on a massive order and then they'll basically force you to decrease. And you, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have any margins. You got to worry about buybacks, driving mm -hmm. extra traffic, you, all these, all these extra things. And <clears throat> we want to get into retail in so much as it advances our brand, because ultimately we understand that it, it, it should be profitable. Our goal is that it will be profitable. But the point is, is that, um, to establish a brand on Amazon, we need to, we need to be top of mind aware everywhere. Now you don't need to do that, 
but you do need to do it if you want to sell your products at twice the cost of your competition, which is what we do. So we need to win. We need to be, we need to be top of mind awareness everywhere. And so anyway, um, you asked about our brand. Um, well, I mean, it's just opened like, up, yeah. it's just opened up a million other questions here. Like, you know, you've clearly, yeah. you've made a, you've made a very calculated decision that you are going to be the premium player in the space and you're not going to get into Sam's club or TJX or TJ Maxx or, you know, any of the, you know, or I'd probably assume a Costco would be thrown into the same similar category that you're not going to do something where it turns your brand from a premium high value brand to something that's going to be mass marketed and lower cost and lower margin, because the impact means that if things go awry in one of these sellers, it's very hard to claw your brand back to that position of being that premium brand. If you've, if you've sold it for 20%, 30% less than what you sell it for today, then it's, it's a totally different, you know, shift in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I mean, you see this, this happens to brands all the time when they take opportunities that maybe they shouldn't take and it forces them to have quality fade, which maybe you had a very strong brand with, with strong customer loyalty. And then years down the road, 10 years down the road, you have a bunch of disillusioned people that are like, oh, remember the good old days? Remember when you could buy one of these things and I'm just going to slip in my, you know, Southern redneck. Yeah, yeah, remember, the, yeah. remember the good old days when you could buy one of these things made in America. And now it's just, piece of shit made in china you know like that sort of stuff right <laughs> yeah but yeah. that's but that's like that's the stuff that um i don't want to happen our brand now yes we're only six years old yes we're planning on selling it but i'm building this as if we're i'm building it well one as if we're going to sell and two as if we're not going to sell what i mean by that is that we're putting processes and systems in place that makes our lives easier which means that if we were to sell, then we would be able to have a fully packaged system that we just hand to something, hand to somebody, hand to, a, hand to an acquirer. And say, this is what we do. These are all the processes that are all documented. You know, these are the employees that are in charge of key responsibilities. This is what they do. So we're going to take our key employees with us, but we're documenting their positions so that when the transition takes place, that it'll be smooth. Now, I also said that we're building it not to sell. I'm building it for both because in my head, if, if we build it to sell and we don't sell, we're going to end up with a better optimized business that we can be a lot more hands-off from. If we end up selling, that's going to pay us back. If we end up not selling, it's going to pay us back. What I'm all about, Yanni, is I'm all about efficiency. I hate wasting. I grew up pretty poor. Um, so maybe that is stuck in the back of my head of like, I don't like wasting things. I don't like wasting food. I don't, like wasting like anything at all and so the way that i sort of function as a person is even in business and i think through like what can i do is there a task that i can do that will accomplish more than one thing can i multitask the task like can i have one thing do five things instead of just one thing right so think of it like this let's say you're going to launch a product on amazon great way to launch right now that's going to get you on page one no may not be the best way anymore because people have been abusing the system, but, you know, just selling rebates, getting rebates to get to page one, you know, search, find, buy, you give away enough products to get to page one. The problem is you're giving away products. We don't know the quality of those buyers, you know, is, is Amazon building a persona 
of your buyers based on the people that are that are buying from you that they're going to start showing your stuff to people that aren't in your target demographic maybe they have a higher return rate in general um definitely happens on facebook when you run ads on facebook that are giveaway intensive well first and foremost that's going against the rules it's starting to not allowed to have that language in your in your promotions because black hat sellers have been gaming the system i'm just going to call what it is it's black hat because you're manipulating the rank algorithm that's all it is now you can do i'm not saying that all giveaways are wrong all rebates are wrong i'm just saying that, that in and of itself if that's all you do that's one tactic one objective that's it but if sure. you think about and, it in- and, and it's and it's extremely risky right because like even if you're you're doing it yourself you're using a service things like that um you know there's always the possibility that that you don't you lose control of what's actually happening and you're held accountable to it and that for me is it's scary it's a scary uh scary space to be in right i mean in in my head you you're going to spend money launching a product you might as well have that money stretch as far as it as it can go so you can either pay you know $3 or $5 or $10 or $15 or $25. I mean, those are the going rates right now for rebate services, right? Per product. So say you're on the low end and you have a hundred products that you need. That's, I mean, that's $300 additional cost plus the cost of the product sold. But we know that a lot of the low end giveaway services attract really bad buyers that actually hurt you. So if you're going to do it right, you're going to pay like 15, 20 bucks per product. So if you're going to be spending again, a hundred, hundred products, $1,500 to launch a product. Why don't you just spend that on ads? Why don't you spend it on building an audience for yourself and creating a community and put it invested in your brand. And this is the problem that I think with that most Amazon sellers face is that they're so ROI obsessed, which don't get me wrong. ROI is important, but if all you ever do is only things that are measurable ROI, you're not going to be building your brand because building a brand is not, oftentimes it's directly measurable until like a year to two or three down the road. Yeah. And I would say the same, the same could be said for a a company's culture. You know, that is, that is one of the highest impact, least tangible things that you can put your finger on and say, right, that's, that's exactly what it is. But if you invest in your people, the impact of business is, is it's exponential in what's possible. It's if, if you get to a point where you're able to do that, it's like you've effectively, and I don't want to say you want to clone yourself because you don't want to clone yourself. There may be things that you're really good at that you think are amazing. But here's the thing is if you create a culture of excellence or where you're rewarding, um, where you're rewarding the right things, um, I'm not going to say what those things are because they're different in every business, but sure. generally speaking, like you think of like creative solutions. You like, you want people to think for themselves. So we'll go with that. That's across the board. Like generally speaking, you don't want to hire an employee that's not going to be able to problem solve when they get to a point. Even if you have the best SOP, there's going to be a certain amount of, oh, the SOP doesn't cover this. What do I do? But if you take that and then you, you scale it to say you're bringing on somebody who's going to be a department leader managing, managing a team of people, they need to be creative. They need to be able to think outside the box. They need to be able to think of themselves. They need to know that it's important and it's okay for them to to sometimes question the process like and this is like i say that almost once a week i say that almost once a week on our weekly meeting i'll say to the team just because something's been done a certain way and even if it looks like it's working if you have a better way to improve it if you see the world differently 
you can you 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 are as much senior management as anyone else helping make those decisions it doesn't matter like that's where the best answers come from are people who are questioning the system and the process while they're running through it yep we had uh prior to the call i know we were talking about this but february was a rough month for us um not not bowen bowles our brand but uh, the chat agency one of the reasons for that is that we started so we started the agency last uh september is when we started taking clients as we started taking beta clients meaning um, we're beta testing our services we know that they work everything that we do is proven to work in bow and bell littles like i'm filled that my wife lets me experiment on our company like as much as i as much as i can so nice of her i mean that's that's how i got into chatbots that's how we started doing stuff that's true love because of experimentation yeah she's (laughs) she knows it's also i mean for those I don't know if you do this on YouTube. Those of you can't see, I've got yeah, this yeah. disgusting walrus, walrus, walrusy mustache thing. Um, <laughs> it's glorious. She knows, like, well, I was telling, I was telling, uh, yeah, I was telling you before the call, like, she knows that I do stupid stuff with my facial hair, and if she tells me no, I'm just going to do it even more. So I guess it's the same way with our business. If she were to tell me no, I'd be like, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> like if I if I believe in something strong enough, I'm going to do it anyway. But come back to um, experimentation and whatnot. We had um, a rough month in February because we're going through this beta testing and we had been assuming that uh, we'd be able to duplicate things a little bit more like one-to-one as we've done in Bow and Bell Littles. And a lot of the stuff that we had realized is that it's not necessarily one-to-one. It takes a lot more customization, um, which meant that we would have to, you know, we didn't need to do this, um, but we elected to pause payments for a third of our client base. And the reason why we did that, because we felt like we weren't delivering as much as we wanted, as we wanted to for them. Um, I, I believe, now, I believe my friend, that's what you call building a brand. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like, we didn't have to in the contract. It, like we are not obligated to do this, but here's the thing. I've been, a, I've been in business for myself long enough. I've hired other people that they didn't necessarily have to do things like this, but when they do, it's like, I appreciate that because it's the right thing to do. It's it, there's a difference between right and like legal or right and what you can do and what you should do. Yeah, I've, my dad, so. my dad. I grew up with a saying. My dad always uh, used to say, um, "You can't do the wrong thing by doing the right thing." And mm. you know, the the whole position is that it, if you if you lock something like that's why I also don't believe in long term locking contracts as well. It's like if it's not working for you, then why would I want to keep delivering a solution to you if it's not helping you push you forward? It's it, it's right. it's so counterproductive to me um, in in that sort of framework. It's like I am here to deliver a service that supports you and your objectives in life, and if that's helping move the needle for you forward amazing i'm that's exactly what i want to do if it's not then i would also you know you fire a client as well in the same capacity just saying listen i can't deliver for you this isn't going to work and it actually happened to us it happened to me probably for one of the first times last week where i told a client that it was never going to work for him in terms of the delivery of having a chief of staff he'd hired because he doesn't invest the time to train them and give them the information they need to deliver. He, he actually, he needs to learn how to be a manager before he hires the next person who, and, and he acknowledges this, but I think that that's, you know, in the same vein here. 
So that's the hardest part about hiring going, going from like yourself to other people training bits, the hardest if, cause you've never done it before, right? Like business, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you've never done. You're going to have to get good at, but that first key hire is the hardest in, in my opinion. And we, we screwed up a couple different times prior. So we brought on um, my executive assistant. She's now with us for two and a half years. She's the highest paid person in our company. I pay her more than I pay myself. Yep. Because she's amazing. And, and that, she's but that's it. But that's incredible. it. That's exact. That's exactly it, though. It's it's you have a deep appreciation for the skill sets that you don't have that empower your life and vice versa. And as a team, mm-hmm. as as a whole, versus you know the parts of you can have much greater impact in life and in business. So, yeah, you're. Yep. I see, I feel like where we see the world the same way in that capacity. And mm-hmm. like you said, the first hire is critical. I think that it's the hire that unlocks you to be in your unique ability and them to compliment you and be equally as good in whatever they deliver. That is, that for me was the the real, you know, aha eureka moment um, where I was like, okay, now I get it. Now I, now I get at least, you know, I don't really, that's a lot that I don't know, but at least I understood that that's how you build leverage. And that's why teams are so valuable. It's not just a carbon copy of yourself. It's actually, you know, fill in the blanks. Yep. There's, there's definitely going to be a bit of um, DNA transference in, in like the culture sense of when you invest a lot of time in, in with anybody, the more you spend with somebody, the more that you're going to act like each other. Mm-hmm. So the same thing happens in business, right? And as leader, the, your goal and your role is to make sure well, there's a lot of roles that you have, but I'm thinking in terms of a leader uh, in, in, in my team, well, and foremost, it's that, it's a leader. Your, your role is to be a leader. It's not just to be the boss, the owner, the person who's in charge, right? But your goal is really, you need to create culture that moves the ball forward and you need to celebrate people's wins. You need to give them the freedom to win, to think for themselves, to come up with solutions. If you don't do this, you're doing people a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. If you're trying to tie people to you and control them, and this is the only way that you have, you're never going to grow. If you're just trying to make a carbon copy of yourself, you're never going to grow because you're not going to see the unique talent, the unique talents um, that every person has. And coming back to this, you know, February being rough, um, two of my two of my team members brought a. They had put together this document with some concerns that they had and some and some customer concerns. This is we had to do the same thing, Yanni. We had to let go. We had to let a customer go. I failed them. Um, I should not have let them hire us. That's the first failure. It yep. was a bad fit yep. from the start. Mm-hmm. It was a bad fit from the start. And here's the thing: is that I want to I want to help every single person. I believe that. I don't know. I just this. I'm ultimately I'm an I'm an optimist. I believe that everybody has a destiny on the planet that they have a purpose for being here and so that extends to me wanting to help people's businesses right because if they have individual purpose i want to help them accomplish those purposes and sometimes you make concessions and so um where i failed was not setting expectations correctly in terms of how long a build-out phase would take with building out influencers we also made some key pivots to make sure that we can get some uh quick wins for our people coming in, but going back to what I was saying, like back in 2015, brand has always been a focus for us. So 
one of the services that we're offering now is a nano influencer framework build out where we build out tribes of people. Now in Bow and Bell Littles, we started that year too. I wasn't thinking through that correctly when customers were coming to us, client partners that were wanting to hire us. I was thinking they're at year, like when we started, I was thinking year zero, right? You're not, if you will. Um, but we were two years into building brands for our business. Now, the problem is I can't expect a brand that hasn't done two years of, of effort in building their brand, putting their name out there to have the same ramp up speed and time that it took for us. It's just yep. unrealistic. Yep. yep, for sure. So my my team put together a list of concerns that they had had about just different things and, and not just concerns, but suggestions for pivots. That is a win to culture um, because they had the freedom to come and present some information to the owner company that maybe if I was in a different, if I was a different company, they could have been fired. They could have been, they could have been talked down to, they could have been ignored. They could have been said, no, you're wrong. We're doing it this way. You're, we just need to try harder. Here's the thing. I do the same thing in my team meetings is I want people to think for themselves. And I say, just because we're doing something that's working doesn't mean something won't work better. doesn't mean that you can't improve it some way. doesn't mean that it's maybe we shouldn't just scrap it and start something new. Yep. Right. Because you speak my language. Maybe we're just, maybe we're just, so, well, I mean, when you said earlier before the call, you had said, you know, you want to grow quickly because every, uh, what did you say? Um, can't remember the words you said, but you, you went rapid build up because every single person, every, every new hire is a new person employed, which speaks a lot to your heart as a person and a leader that you're doing this to give people opportunities and you're not doing it to take advantage of them. That's a completely different mindset than saying, how many people can we get employed so that we can make, make a ton of money? Like, yeah, you're going to make money. If you're not, if you're not making money, you're doing it wrong. Right. But doing it to help people. And so I think the same way, like that's the way that I think with my, my employees, my team, make it apparent that like, here's the thing Would I love you to stay here. Let's say this is a 40 year company. I would want to create a culture that you want to be a part of for 40 years. What is that culture? Let's create it together. But here's the thing. Like I understand that most people, especially now a job is a, is a segue to another thing. So if that's the case, let's just be, let's just put all our cards on the table. Let's just not bullshit each other. How can I help you? How can I help you get in life where you want to go? How can the chat agency be a stepping stone in your career? Does that mean that you're going to work? You're going to um, grow up in the chat agency. You're going to continue to be amazing. Or does that mean you're going to be here for a year or two and then you're going to move on and start something incredible? I don't know, but I want to be a part of it. And that's my, that's my stance with my people that I have their best interests at heart that when you join our team, you're part of the team and we're going to go to bat for you. If you screw up, we'll hold you accountable. But here's the thing, we've got your back because the team members do that. Like, I'm not going to put you in front of a firing line or a firing squad with a customer or a partner if they get angry. Um, because quite simply, that saying that the customer is always right is straight bullshit. The customer is wrong 90% of the time. The problem is that they need to feel welcoming <laughs> and okay. And they need they need to feel like they're I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure this out because I can't. I tend to be a little bit too much of, uh, of a butthead when I when I feel like somebody's in. Um, no, but being abused. But, but 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 I also I also I also think um, I, it 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 resonates with me because you know when you're saying that the customer is always wrong, like my age old saying is always 
the client is always wrong. Like, you know, growing up in agency land, like, you know, everyone is, a, you know, they hire a subject matter expert only to read, you know, a blog post here and a YouTube video there, and they know how to do it better. And so that can be sort of the, the frustrating thing. I would say the customer or the client is right when you're asking for feedback that isn't directly related to the outcome of their business. So if I want to build, if I want to build a better product and they can have their wish list around what that looks like, then that's one bit of feedback. But you know, there's different right. there's different ways of looking at it. But there's when it comes to like your process is broken. Okay, so we're gonna take that into consideration. Maybe it is but we have proof that most of the time it's not broken. So it could be broken. We'll take it into consideration. Well, I mean that, but anyway, that's the point. I, I think going back to, again, we had to let a, we had to let a client partner go. It wasn't the best terms and it really, it was a failure on my part. I shouldn't let them hire them. I shouldn't have let them hire us. Um, but what we found was a lot of slowdowns that was experienced by this client. They were just like, one of them was just a complete asshole. I'm not even going to lie. Like he was a straight dick. Yep. Um, 80, 20, the, the way, yeah, the way that he was expressing his, um, frustration was not appropriate. And like, here's the thing again, like I'm fair, I'm a fair person just because we can charge somebody doesn't mean well, we're going to cost things, but all this is hey, coming back to culture. They brought this to me. We're implementing changes. We're seeing better results. And that couldn't have happened if it wasn't, if it wasn't for culture. And that's also exactly why you are so good at putting a pin in something and coming back to it, like you were expressing before. With the- <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I, I, you lost me uh, probably four or five points ago. So I'm glad you Telling wrapped you. it back up to culture. Stephen, 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 uh, Stephen's experience <laughs> yes, in junior Stephen. high is really helping me these, these days. Thank you, Stephen. You've you've added a lot of value to many people's lives right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to he's i think he's still in the area i'm gonna have to message him well, okay. <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's like he's like an investment banker or something these days i don't know probably more successful than i am <laughs> <laughs> well well he's he, he's being critical for your path and your learning to get to where you are yeah. so uh I, I love it i love it i've got listen i got some more questions for you um and you know it sounds like you're in an interesting period right now and it seems to be the hot topic and I think some people, I don't, you know, again, I listen to a lot of content that's happening out there. Like I always want to be learning and podcasts and audiobooks and reading and, you know, anything I can get my hands on. That's like, that is my free time. I realized uh, on the weekend when I was walking the dog that it was maybe time to stop listening to a podcast and audiobook and just put on that stuff called music and just not think for a second. Yeah. But um, you're, so the, the bit I was trying to get to and I, um, rambled on here for a second is you said that you're planning for a potential exit in the next 12, 18, whatever months ahead. And you are saying that it's about your, your trailing 12 months. I'm, I'm wondering in your journey, when you started the business, a, was it always the intention? Were you aware that you could sell your business, you know, five, six years later? Um, that's the first question. And the second is now that you are aware, and if you were before, then even more power to you, but what sort of measures are you taking in order to maximizing that payday? That's a great, there's a lot of good questions there. So was I aware? No, I was not. When I got started, so my background, I don't have a degree. Um, I went to school. I think I told you this when we had chatted originally, I, I lived in Balkham Hills in Australia for a year when I was yep. younger. Yep. 
and I say Australia because yeah, you've got you've got you've got a bunch of words the accent absolutely down I, I I remember when we first chatted I couldn't stop laughing I was in tears at one point that's so funny so I could I could slip into my Australian accent if you want <laughs> but here's 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 the thing like to, to speak like an Aussie you just gotta have all your sentences end up with an upward inflection it always, <laughs> always sounds like a question um so trailing 12 I I I never I was almost, I don't want to say forced into business. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, uh, but I went to school in Australia. I was planning on being a pastor and that just long story short, you know, life, life changes, life happens and it didn't happen. Um, still, my faith is incredibly important to me. It's just, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. Um, but what I've learned, what I had learned out of that, or I guess I had to, I had, I had, I always had to like start my own business. I couldn't, I didn't have a four-year degree, so nobody would hire me. Um, I got my break at an agency that they just didn't care. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but it was like a lot of this like hard work getting to that point. So my view of business, I never really looked at business as an opportunity to invest. I never owned a house until um, seven years ago. I never thought that I'd be able to actually afford to buy a house. Again, I grew up pretty poor my life's path i was planning on going into ministry and like doing missions work and having to raise money to live right that's not a career that you embark on to make money (laughs) (laughs) if you if you do you're definitely you're not thinking the right way (laughs) if you do i'd like to meet you and i'll have a few words for you in a back alley with some of my cousins (laughs) Um, here's the thing like that was not ever on my radar so going into businesses, it was always about hand to mouth. How can I feed myself? How can I, you know, and that's when you're in that phase and you're the solopreneur, like looking at expanding and working on your business and not in your business, isn't even an option because you're hand to mouth. You're, you're having to pay, you're paying yourself and you're paying bills and you're trying to figure out how you're going to keep the electricity on and, and all that stuff. So when we started Bow and Bow Littles, that, that was not, that did not even enter my brain. What did enter my brain was a very false idea of how easy it would be to run a um, an inventory heavy business. Uh, because my friend, I told you, his, his first month was $50,000. I started calculating how long it would take to buy this ranch that I want. It's absurd, like this $20 million ranch. If I spent that much money on myself, I would honestly feel pretty bad. Like if I spent $20 million buying a ranch because there's so much, there's so much more good I can do in the world than buy a ranch. But that's where my brain went because I was thinking, okay, how many months at $50,000 per month? But here's the thing. Like I wasn't thinking in reorders or all this stuff. I wasn't thinking any of that. I wasn't thinking long-term longer than I know that I need to build a brand to attract people because I wasn't planning on selling it. So how do you hedge against competition? You build a brand. That's why I built a brand is because I wanted uh, in my head, this was going to be a, uh, 10 or 20 year affair. It would be a big thing that we would take forever. And I, I wasn't thinking about that until two or three years in, I was able to meet David and Leah Cups, who I'm not sure if you if you know them, they kind of fly into the radar, but they've successfully exited. Last time I talked to him, he was in the process of exiting his second two. So he had four exits that they had gone under. I think they might've exited their final one too. Um, Are they a husband and wife five, couple? Yep. Husband and wife couple. The first business exit that they had was four and a half million. They sold two brands. I'm pretty sure I know who this couple is. I've never heard their name. 
I just I just have a feeling I know who it is. Yeah, David. Um, David's got like shortish curly hair, brown. No, I, I I don't know them by who they are. I know them by their businesses. Um, uh, but anyway, okay. we'll talk, we'll we'll talk about it after. We'll talk. Be, we'll talk be, after. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if it's them because uh, super okay. impressive couple. You know they're incredible, and so actually, um, that was twenty. I met them online as you do in the Amazon space in 2017. Um, the very first event that I ever spoke at was in 2018. And I messaged them and went out of my way to make sure that we, we would have uh, lunch or dinner or something with them. Cause I just wanted to pick their brains. Like cause at that point in time, that was the first thing that I had ever heard about exiting a business and for that much money too. I was thinking, you know, maybe we'd be able to exit for like, I don't know, hundred thousand, 200,000. I don't know, maybe, but then that's why I didn't want to do it anyway. So that was, um, year three in our business, I started thinking about that. And so that's when I started to shift in terms of uh, thinking through, okay, if we want to exit, how do we exit? How do we prepare ourselves? And the first thing was we got to have processes in place. We got to have people in place that don't require us. So that's when we started looking at, we actually hired a, um, a girl straight out of college. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I, we, we gotten way more value out of our virtual assistants. So we have, we have a virtual assistant that's worked for our company for, I think since then, 2018, I can't remember. It's a long time. Um, she lives in Manila. We pay her, uh, I think 17 hour right now, which isn't a ton for us here, but in Manila, it's like upper middle class, like lower upper, upper class. It's, yeah. It's a decent, it's a decent wage. Yeah. So she's doing well and I can feel good, um, knowing that I'm supporting her. One of the reasons Prior to this, prior to looking at selling, I, I I looked at people that were hiring virtual assistants as if they were like the new colonists. They were going in and taking advantage of people, and but it, that's not at all what it is. It's, um, I thought it was you're paying somebody two bucks an hour to do something, and you're keeping them in poverty. But then I started looking at cost of living in Manila, realizing that five dollars an hour is that's a little wage. Seven bucks an hour is like really good. I mean, if you wanted to be like high on the hog, it's like 10, 12, $15 an hour. Like that is a, is a way that I can actually do good in the world. Help somebody, yep. Joyce, her family. Um, she has a, she's a son and a husband. Her husband's a restaurateur and he's been shut down because of COVID. So because of us, she's been able to continue to live, which is amazing. So good that on was you. when I started making that shift. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate that. I mean, um, and I think of her, I mean, she really is, she is in our team. I don't like calling her assistant because I don't think of her as a virtual yep, assistant. Yep. She just so, ha- I mean, she just so happens to live yeah, in I think, Manila. That's I think, really yeah, it. I think that that, so you, you touch on a few things here and I just want to call them out. Like that in itself is is a really good insight as well Is that I think a lot of people look at the the world as like VAs. And, you know, one thing that I, I do, you know, one is a point of difference. And two, as the fact that like, you know, VAs is really just typically speaking, in my opinion, like a generalist, someone who can do a few sort of simple and banal tasks here. But when you talk about the impact to giving someone, you know, from five to $7.50 and, you know, I mean, we've got employees that are paid a lot more than that, but they're extremely senior. Um, And, you know, and it it gets deeper. I had, I was on a, I couldn't believe it, um, but I was on a call with someone yesterday and they're, asking monthly salary was 400,000 pesos, which equates to about a hundred thousand dollars a year, which do you know what? When I look at the math there, 
the same person would probably cost a quarter of a million dollars in the US. So it's all about, so where you're getting to is one is you're remembering that it's not just someone at the other, you know, it's actually someone at the other end of the computer screen that has a family and wants and needs and desires, and you're providing them an opportunity to live a better life. And so you should feel good about that. And that's how my whole driving philosophy is, is that if we can help more people and, you know, worry on what's the true impact to the business, what would it cost you to hire someone else? Can I get someone better who is significantly cheaper than what it would cost locally, but have the same, if not bigger impact. And so, you know, you're looking, I, I, we're very aligned and that's very apparent, but, you know, I look at the world in the same way that it's how much value creation am I providing for their life and my life and the businesses we support's lives. And as a result, it's got to be win, win, win in, in every aspect of yeah. it. That's exactly what it is. I mean, our experience out of this, we had, a, again, the intern that we had hired and then we brought her on full-time as staff. Um, quite frankly, the culture straight out of college in America is, to, I'm just going to be completely honest, it's, it's one of entitlement and it's not at all work ethic and value driven. I'm not going to lie. And I think that now, I mean, we could get all political here, but I think that's going to be a massive issue for America. The American economy is going to suffer in 20 years if this doesn't change. Yeah, absolutely. I would, anyway, I would, I would agree. I would agree to that after living and working there but, and, and seeing particularly, like you said, college graduates, like, geez, they're not, uh, they're it, not particularly interested. We were paying this girl over twice what we're paying Joyce. And uh, Joyce does more in her 10 to 12 hours a week than this girl did in 40. Um, we basically had Joyce completely absorb the role this other girl was doing. And Joyce is, she's amazing. She runs our social media for us. She's really, really good. She, I mean, it's to the point where I don't even, I don't even need to think about it. The only time I think about it is when I see a funny meme that we could cross post and I send it to Joyce. Like, Hey, that's great. Let's do our own version. And um, I guess that's the thing. I mean, we haven't done as much, employee building in Bowen Bellows as we have at the chat agency. And that's where like explosive growth, we're hiring, we're going through training processes, we're going through hiring processes, we're going through onboarding processes, we're going through marketing communications, we're going through sales, like all of this stuff. There's a ton in the agency. In, in Bowen Littles, it's more, we're refining, okay, so that trailing 12, coming back to that, what are we doing that's going to affect our bottom line? What are the, where are we investing our time, our effort, our money? Um, and again, the first thing that I started looking at was, was key hires and employees. And next thing we started looking at was efficiencies, um, cost savings on like supply chain stuff, and then increasing revenue via, you know, new product launches and, and, you know, potentially new channels. That's, that's what we're looking at in our trailing 12, you know, to put a nice nutshell on it is yeah, for sure. how effective are our processes, like, are we selling more? Or is, are we more profitable? Decreasing any unnecessary expenses, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So that super, super valuable insights for people who are looking to go down that process is, is how do I remove myself from that business so that when I hand it over to someone, it's wrapped up in a bow. I've been as efficient as possible. Yeah. I've maximized that 12 month period. I might not have gone as aggressive into launching new products and driving those launch costs up that you might not receive the benefits for. Um, but again, it also depends on your strategy as well and what the deal mm -hmm. looks like on the other, you know, on the other side too. Yeah. So 
yeah, so that's, I guess, where we're at. Um, yeah, again, it does depend on the people, but the biggest thing that, um, again, we're, I guess, we're focusing on is making sure that we, we attract the right buyer because um, an, a straight aggregator might not be the best. No, and might, might not be. They wouldn't give us the best multiple because we have exposure elsewhere. And so, anyway, there's a lot that could be said, but yeah, we wouldn't I, be in this I, position like had it not been for key hires that's that's kind of what i'm getting yeah at. yeah i mean people people drive the business not not the business itself so you know those key hires are going to be fundamental to and you even said you know when you go to the next business you're going to take your key team members and you're going to deploy them because you have that you know i'm going to make assumptions here as we as unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up in a second um just knowing the time but i'm definitely going to get you back on is is those key people deployed doesn't matter where you're going to be driving to they're going to have that uh, working fluidity to simply go again. Like I can't imagine a world without my team. So totally, totally there with you, mate. Um, mm. well, before yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, before I let uh, you go. Uh, sorry, you're breaking up just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm experiencing that for a second too. It's probably the right time to be wrapping up then. Um, tell me, before I do let you go, what, if anything, um, would be some of the principles or some sort of um, guiding light, something that you've learned in your experience that you'd say, like, this is something that has really helped me grow out my business. And this is something that, you know, had I known it sooner, it might have had lasting impact in to where I sit today, to put you right on the spot here. I mean, there's a ton. Um... I think, I mean, the biggest thing that I learned in the past decade is that, uh, and I haven't even talked about this portion of my story at all, but the, I mentioned, I work for an agency, um, that I kind of cut my teeth there. I was actually fired from the agency about two years after I was hired. And this was at a kind of a pivotal moment in my life where I was still, again, I mentioned the whole, I wanted to go into ministry thing like that didn't pan out it really struck a lot of, I feel like there's a bunch of stacking failures that I just wasn't dealing with. Um, and I was internalizing a lot of these failures in, as thinking that I myself personally was a failure. And that's the big thing that I would want to impress on anybody listening to this, that your failures don't define you, that they make you stronger if you let them. And this sounds super trite. If you're not in it, and it's a realization that you're going to have to come to on your own because hearing me say this, there's, this is in self-help books for you know, whatever, fail forward. John Maxwell has a whole book on it. Uh, but that would be my biggest, my biggest bit of advice is um, you need a strong sense of self-identity outside of what you do. Because if your identity is tied up into what you do, you're going to be an emotional train wreck as an entrepreneur because you're going to fail a lot. And if you don't understand that who you are is not what you do, then what you do is gonna define who you are to the extent that you're only as good as your business is at the time. That is not a good position to be in, I don't think. So I would say dig deep and really come to grasp and come to terms with who person. What is it that makes you take listener why are you here on the planet? And align your life goals and your business around those things. Because when you fail, 
because you will. When you fail, it's going to be a lot harder to allow those failures to be learning moments and learning lessons and things that will catapult your, your business forward if you are tied up and invested in everything. And that is really hard to do. Like this advice I have to tell myself every day. I went through a period of depression for two years because of I was screwed up around this. And I still fall back into this because high achieving people do that. It's very easy to get caught into this value trap of, well, look at my business and all this, blah, blah, blah. So that would be my bit of advice. Allow your identity to be wrapped up in something more deep than a business that's going to ultimately, as the wise words of one of my mentors, every business fails. Give it enough time. I mean, it might take a thousand years. Every business will fail eventually. But here's the point. like, Find out who you are, why you're here, and how you can add value to the world, and have your businesses support that. Don't, don't let your business be your identity. That, that is sound advice and something that um, I think would resonate with every entrepreneur. I'd be surprised if anyone had the ego strength to say that they haven't sort of gone through moments in time like that. I, I know for, for myself, um, you know, it, it's definitely something I battle with as well. Um, there'll be moments in time where, you know, almost you're, you're working yourself to death. You're really focused on the business and it, and it absorbs you, but you've got to remember, like you're saying, it doesn't define you. The successes and the wins of the business is effectively how, how good was the system that you built and how many problems did it truly solve for people that couldn't handle it themselves? That's, that's it. You know, your, your business is simply a vehicle to amass wealth and create jobs and, and have impact. It's not who you are. And it, it, you know, it can become all encompassing um, just because you are, you know, for a lot of people, it's your baby, right? You, you want to see it flourish. You want to, whatever it is you want to achieve, you want to make millions of dollars. You want to help a lot of people. You like, you get so deeply ingrained in that in the day to day and you, you fail to sort of look at the bigger picture of, you know, who am I and what, what, what am I, what is this all about? What is this really for? So just, um, I know I'm dragging on a little bit here, but it really struck a chord with me um, that sort of mindset and, and that mentality and the challenges that I feel that, um, a lot of people who go through that, and like you said, let the business define them are, are really going to battle with, and you know, it, it it's going to happen. It is, it's an inevitability. It's never, ever going to go hundred percent smooth from start to finish. And if that's what you're thinking and you're looking to start your first business, I would highly recommend that you don't do it because you've got to, you got to be ready for the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And I told him, I told this to my son the other day. Um, we were talking about easy things versus hard things. You don't remember the easy victories. The hard victories are the ones that you remember. It's the schlog. It's the one where you almost gave up. It's the time when you felt like crying yourself to sleep. Maybe you have, but here's the thing is if you stick with it. And again, I don't want it to sound like stick with it so that you can come out successful. No. Yeah. Stick with it. But I don't want it I, again. It's not about rescuing your ego or, or who you are. It's about accomplishing your purposes. And if you give up, you're not going to know. You know, you're not going to know. Absolutely. Well, Paul, that was some super wise words and I think an awesome point to end off on. So for anyone that wants to get in touch with you, um, you know, the chat agency and beyond, what's the best mm -hmm. way for them to find you? Yeah. So the best way is if you're on Clubhouse, like we had started this 
back, you know, we're going to tie this bookend this really well. <laughs> Find me on Clubhouse. I'm active on there every Wednesday. I, I have a room called AMA running seven, eight, nine figures, figure brands on Amazon. Um, my club is finally approved. Congratulations. Um, AMZ and Ecom. Yeah, it's, it's an Ecom brand scaling. AMZ plus Ecom brand scaling on Clubhouse. So you can join the club. We run, um, like Yanni said, question and answer uh, rooms every Wednesday. Um, I'm playing around with a brand new show that is going to be super cool if I can, if I can kick it off. Um, yeah, so Clubhouse, uh, again, the chatagency.com. Yeah, reach out. I'm on Facebook. If you're friend across on Facebook and I don't accept it, don't take it personally. Most of the time, I just hang out on Facebook with people that I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a... Um... I've found that an interesting one as well. I've got lots of people who now add me on Facebook and it's like, well, it's like kind of a, I don't really do, don't do my business there. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't shit right. where you sleep as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you find me on Facebook and Instagram, it's going to be a whole bunch of blizzard pictures. I'm, in, what... I'm into that. I'm into that. Well, yeah. Paul, mate, thanks so much again for your time. I've really, I've, I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed getting to, to you know spend a bit more time with you and just sort of see your philosophy and yeah it just becomes a whole lot more apparent why we are you know very um yeah. you know well like connected. connected yeah totally yeah. totally so thank yeah. you yeah of course man i appreciate it well i'll have to get you back on but uh yeah again cool thanks and uh we will chat soon my man awesome sounds good